It's time for America's most unique motorsports show, Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys, brought to you by Rod and Supply and the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Mostly Motorsports. I'm Scott Trailer, along with Kirk Elliott, with producer extraordinaire Todd Surprise. He's the best. Nobody's better at doing what he does here at Racing Boys, and we can't thank him enough for doing what he does for us as well. Kirk, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing great. Man, we have a lot of racing to talk about. We've got a ton of racing to talk about. We're going to talk with uh, Ayrton Jeniton here in just a little bit, and Garrett Williamson, who won down at Lucas Oil Speedway on Saturday night, and Ayrton, he won last night at State Fair, and so we're going to talk to them as well as Chase Rodman and Trenton Berry. So we got a loaded show today, don't we, bud? We certainly do, and three other big winners, and we'll get into detail of this this weekend. If I had to rank them, I would say Tanner Mullins winning the $33,000 for the uh, Silver Jubilee USMTAS modified race up at Mason City. Carson Macedo outdueling Brad Sweet at Jackson at the Jackson Nationals and Logan Seavey, who doubled up at two different sites on the same day in USAC on Saturday, winning the Silver Crown race on the mile at Springfield and that night on the Little Bull Ring short track in the midgets at Macon Speedway. So those are the other big winners this and, weekend. And Zeb Wise, he won the Kramer Cup at Sealings Grove last night he as did. well. Yeah. And Tyler Courtney coming back from a month-long layoff due to a back injury, winning his first night out on Friday night at Outlaw Speedway in New York. So congratulations right. to all those guys yep. winning this no, weekend. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Um, let's talk about Ayrton Jeniton picking up that 410 Power Eye race last night at Sedalia. He outrun Blackjack Brian Brown. Brian Brown, I'm not sure exactly what happened to his car, but it, it, it appeared to me that he might have got into the wall a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure of that. I'm not positive of that. But he had two right front, right side flat tires. His right front was flat and his right rear was flat. So I don't know what happened to it, but he had both right side tires flat on his car. Yeah, well, that's a rare occurrence when you see. I mean, a lot of times you'll see the right rear go down, but the right front too. But I'm not so sure that it would have mattered. It didn't look like Brownie really had a fast car last night, which was kind of surprising. Well, I... I I'm going to disagree with you there a little bit on that one. Because Blackjack, Brian Brown, they only had 16 cars there last night. Let's be fair. They only had 16 cars last night. He started dead last, and he worked his way back up to third place. He got him a podium finish last night as well. Which is hard to do on that big, flat, half-mile racetrack at Sedalia. But, no, I just expected a little bit more juice out of Brian last night. Uh, credit Ayrton Jeniton. He had a really fast race car, but I also think Garrett Williamson had a fa- fast race car too until his uh, tire went down. Right. No doubt. Um, and he was driving the 12X car, wasn't he? That's about as good as I've ever seen the Veal Howard number 12X Beaver 
tool car. Uh, with Eric, Garrett Williamson behind the wheel of that car. Have you ever seen the 12X as fast as it was this weekend, especially down at Lucas Hole Speedway? I have. I've seen it that fast with Ayrton Jeniton in it as well. It, it, listen, Ayrton is, is a, a great driver, and he proved it last night driving the, the family-owned number 19 car and he outrun Blackjack Brian Brown. He went up and he passed him for the lead. And and that says a lot when you talk about Blackjack Brian Brown at Sedalia because he is really good at Sedalia. Shocking. Who would have expected that? To just flat out pass the 21 car. But at Sedalia, no less. So, uh, yeah, big win for... Uh, Ayrton Jeniton to pull off a win at the fair. Of course, that, that means a lot to him, too. His family has all won at the fair. His grandfather, Gene, his dad all have all won at the fair. And Ayrton has won at the fair, too, even though it was in a 360 car, but this first time in a 410 sprint car right. that he's won at the Missouri State Fair. What do you what do you think of old Power Eye? There's, they're starting to make a little bit of a push in the 410 ranks, aren't they? Yeah, they just need to develop a little bit more car count. You know who I was surprised not to see at any of the races this weekend was Roger Crockett. Wasn't he the point leader in the Power I-410 sprint cars coming into the weekend? I was very surprised uh, not I, to see I, Roger I, Crockett. I'm not sure on the point standing. He ran well last year at the Missouri State Fair. He was leading the race last year until Brownie got around him. And, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised not to see the Rocket Roger Crockett not at either of these two races this weekend. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but uh, don't you think that Power Eye's making kind of a little bit of a dent in the 410 ranks? Well, they've gone the 410 route. I I thought when they first announced the new 410 Sprint Car Series that it was going to be a struggle to develop car counts. And it, it still is. They had 20 cars down to Sedalia on Saturday night. 16, as you mentioned last night at the Missouri State Fair. Uh, but, you know, as far as car count is concerned, I, I met 20 at Lucas Hole Speedway on Saturday night. Right. But uh, we'll see what happens over the Labor Day weekend when they have the uh, 410 sprint cars at Lake Ozark Speedway, which is pretty good paying race. Uh, they're developing that in. Used to be the LOS 360 Nationals, but they're focusing in on the 410 uh cars over the Labor Day weekend at Lake Ozark Speedway. We'll see what kind of a turnout they have for that when they up the uh, money for that event. But uh, yeah, it's growing. I figured it would be a challenge to build up their car count. It has been. Let's give them three or four or five more years and we'll see where they're at. I don't think it's going to take that long. I, I, I believe that Power Eye is going to make a dent in 410 racing next year. I believe that they're they're going to make a a um, a larger footprint on the 410 community than next year. What do you think? Yeah, it, it, the, they've got some competition. You have the IRA sprints running up in Wisconsin over the weekend. You have the Sprint Invaders running at a couple of places this weekend, including uh, Quincy on Sunday night. So uh, there's a little bit of competition for the Power Eye to deal with there, but. The one good thing about developing a new 410 series, and we've talked about this before, 410 sprint car racing is 
on the rise right now for right. a lot of different reasons, not the least of which there are a lot more high-paying races now to lure guys into the 410 racing. And so there's, uh, there's more guys running 410 sprint cars right now because of the money that's there. And the cost of the 410 racing versus now the 360 sprint car racing. 360 sprint car racing's gotten more expensive. So right. there's not that much of a difference between those two in terms of putting a car on the racetrack from a financial standpoint. But the biggest factor is how many more big paying 410 races there are right now that's lured more guys into the 410 ranks. Well, uh, let's be fair. The, the 360 motors are basically the same amount of money as a 410 right now. The The only difference between the 410 motor and a 360 motor is that you've got to freshen up the 410 sooner. You can't run it 20 races. A 360, you can run it for 20, 25 races. A 410, you can only run about 9 or 12 races, and you're going to have to get that thing rebuilt. The biggest uh, the, the biggest casualty of the growth of 410 sprint car racing has to be the regional series and the ASCS series. And it's affected the ASCS national tour to a degree in terms of car count. But you remember not so many years ago, Scott, they used to draw over 20 cars for the ASCS warrior region in central Missouri. Yep. And they ran them on a regular basis. But it's you look at the guys that ran last night, a lot of those guys used to run 360 sprint cars, but now they've gone 410 racing. So the, the biggest casualty has been the uh, not necessarily as much the ASCS National Tour, but the regional series. Right. It, if you remember right, Kirk, back in the early days in 09 and 10 and 11, we had Jason Johnson, Shane Stewart, Gary Wright. We had Wayne Johnson. Brady Bacon. We had a, a there was a bunch of stars in ASCS National Tour back in those days, and as much as I hate to say this, they just don't have this the star power that they had back in those early days, right? right. Are you w would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I would agree with that, but I don't think three hundred and sixty sprint car racing is going to die off anytime I, I don't, soon. I don't. I don't either. Uh, you still have some major big time three hundred and sixty events that are still being staged now. We were up at Knoxville a couple of weeks ago. They had over a hundred cars for right. that event. That was a strong event. A lot of guys that normally run four hundred and ten cars. Uh, Dropped down, ran the 360 cars. You got the short track nationals that used to be at I-30 Speedway, but now's moved to Texarkana 67 Speedway. Right. That's a big event uh, that's coming up the first part of October. We'll see how many cars show up for that event. I'm, so there's still some crown jewel events on the 360 side. And the ASCS National Tour, I still think, can be a very strong series. Uh, they've cut down the schedules for not running coast to coast. They've cut down the expenses for a lot of these teams, made the schedule a lot more adaptive to the 360 guys. I think the ASCS National Tour still has a good future uh, the way that Terry Maddox is going uh, with that. I, I, I believe in Terry and Terry Maddox. It, to be honest with you, Terry needs. I, I'll just say this. Terry has a lot on his shoulders, right? 
He runs the now 600 series, OCRS, United Rebel Sprint Car Series, the ASCS regions, and the National Tour. That's a lot on a guy's plate right there. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, he's got a lot going on. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of energy. Tons of energy. Uh, the I, I like this Oil Capital Racing Series. I think that's a good feeder series. They put on great shows in that series. They're getting good car counts for that. That helps grow the sport. If you get that kind of a feeder series going on, uh, the 305s, there's still some guys coming up from those ranks and we talked about the uh, Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'd like to see that grow and get better. We think that's a very affordable way for people to get into sprint car racing. So you got to have those feeder series, and that's what Terry Maddox is focused on to build up the talent level so that when they do advance onto the 360 cars, they've got a, a pretty good wealth of experience to back them up. I, I, I think it, in reality is is that, Micro racing is really where most of the people come out of. Um, yep. We see the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints, and that's a great series. And listen, folks, if you want to get into sprint car racing, the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints is a great place to start. But I, I, I like to see a lot of the drivers come out of the uh, micro racing, Kirk. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, and we have seen that. The the young kids especially uh, are getting their experience on the micro sprint level, and that has grown into be a big industry all unto itself. I mean, you know, we covered the Tulsa shootout for many years and what they've got going on over at Sweet Springs and Port City. That's an industry all to itself, and that's where you're going to get your really young people coming up. So by the time they jump into the a full blown sprint car, full blown sprint cars, they've already got a lot of laps under their right. belt, and that's why we're seeing such high quality racing right now because the talent level that we're seeing come up into the sprint car ranks uh, that they've been a lot of these kids have been racing for a decade or for, more for uh, since they're about five or six years old when they start out in junior sprints and they work their way up through the outlaw. Um, wing and non-wing classes, they're ready by the time they get into a a sprint car at that point. How about Garrett Williamson picking up the win down there at uh, Lucas Oil Speedway on Saturday night? What do you think of that? That was pretty solid effort in the Beaver Drill and Tool car, number 12X, and he had a close call there. And one restart with about 17 laps to go. He got it. Was that uh, Scotty Milan? I know Kyle Bellum was involved. But uh, as they were going down into turn number one, the two cars made contact. Somehow, Garrett Williamson was able to keep it going and then uh, cruise on to the victory. Let me give a shout-out to Ben Brown. He ended up running second. Riley Kreisel was third. Mitchell Moore was fourth. Kyle Bellum was fifth. But let me tell you something. That is a great finish for Ben Brown. I don't know if you pay attention to Ben Brown or not, but that is an outstanding finish for him right there. Yeah, yeah he's uh, he's been around a little while, uh, raced 360 cars. We've seen him race down at uh, at you know the the big the big track double X Speedway down at yep. uh, California, Missouri. We've seen him race there. 
I say the big track. I'm saying that facetiously. It, it, that's, that's a, a, that's a, a small range. track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little small track. So we've seen Ben Brown around for a few years, but uh, he had a good showing down at uh, Lucas Hole Speedway the other night for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so Garrett Williamson was the fast qualifier that night. Did you see that? He ran a 12.99 with an 8, Kirk. And yep. He had the fast car. To me, at Lucas Hole Speedway, Garrett Williamson uh, had the fastest car the whole night. Yeah. So, um, what what what'd you think about Logan Seavey picking up the win, um, both at Macon and the Silver Crown Race at Illinois State Fair? What did you think about that? That uh, two wins in in one day. That's was that a record? Uh, I think that may have been done only one other time before. I'll check on that. But uh, certainly, uh, when you talk about a Silver Crown car on a big mile track at the Illinois State Fair at Springfield, and then move into a midget car and race on the bull ring at Macon Speedway. Down the road 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, two different cars, two different kinds of racetracks, one in the daytime, one at night. And uh, Logan Seavey pulls that off. That was uh, that was a pretty special day for Logan Seavey to make that happen. Yeah. How about uh, James? He Mc- may, I was going to say on that Silver Crown race, that movie made on Shane Cottle down in turn number one to take the lead. He, he made a run down into the first turn and then just cut right in front of Shane Cottle. That was a bold move, and he made it. He made it happen, and that's what really got him the win at the uh, Tony Bettenhausen 100 at uh, at the at the Illinois State Fair. How about James McFadden winning up at Jackson Motorplex? He won uh, two preliminary nights, but on the final night, it was all about Carson Macedo. He pulls off the win, and what a battle that Macedo and Brad Sweet had coming down to the checkered flag. There was a restart with about five laps to go, and the final three laps when Sweet was able to get the lead, Carson Macedo passed him back, which that, I mean, for those two guys to swap the lead there on the last couple of laps, it made what I thought was kind of a mundane race at the Jackson Nationals into a hell of a finish because there really wasn't a whole lot going on up until that last uh, restart with about five laps to go. Yep. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Ayrton Jennington is going to join us here on the show. He he picked up the win last night at uh, Sedalia, and he's going to be joining us right here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll be back with more in a moment. Stay tuned. Listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. 
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers, that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I was in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do.
Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Joining us now on the show is Ayrton Jennington, who picked up the win last night at Sedalia. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Hey, you know, I, I, I believe that you felt like you had the car to beat last year, but you blew a tire last year. Talk about that last year and the difference between last year and last night. Yeah, you know, um, like last year we were, uh, like kind of way the power eye does their format, like we were sitting to probably end up being on the front row of the feature and we blew a tire like the last lap of the heat. Uh, you know, it put us back starting back and uh, I think we ended up starting eighth there. So, um, you know, we were really good last year. Like last year we were quick time. Um, you know, and then the year before with the All-Stars, we were quick time and we won the 360 race there and third with the All-Stars there. So, um, you know, I feel like me and Chad had a really good package at Sedalia when we went there together. Um, so I was, you know, I was really confident. Like, that's the one place that I've always kind of been. Now, I never really was super good there, but, like, here recently, like, after I kind of got run in Knoxville and went back to Sedalia, like, I feel like that place is kind of just right in my wheelhouse with the way you got to race it and how you got to run your feet. Like I feel like it's just right in my wheelhouse. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it sucks. Cause uh, I really feel like, you know, last year if things went a little differently for us. We would be, uh, you know, may have won the last three races there in a row. So, yeah. Um, but you know, to get it done last night, like, uh, you know, there's a lot that's been going on this season for us in general, just, uh, you know, outside of the racing on the track, you know, we've had a lot of stuff we've had to, kind of overcome to get to where we are this year and for me too you know i had to uh, kind of learn how to be my own mechanic so right um, it, you know before we had chad it was always my dad and um you know my dad's been a huge help to me this year too you know kind of helping me learn stuff and you know get better each time and uh you know he's obviously he's there every night when he can be so um yeah it's just you know this one means a lot because when you go to a place like sedalia you know it's you can you can drive the you know as hard as you want and give it everything you got, but you still got to have a good race car. So yeah, um, you know that that there like really kind of is like the the big deal there for me too. It just kind of shows how far we've all came as a team this year, and you know how we're just going to keep growing and hopefully uh, you know we can finish the year out strong too. Yeah. So let let me back up just a little bit and talk about the Knoxville Nationals, the three sixty Nationals, four ten Nationals. How did you feel that you did up there that th th those two weeks? Yeah, we had a little bit of bad luck at the three sixty Nationals, and then you know the four ten Nationals. It wasn't what I think you know we were looking for up there. Like just kind of you know like we had a really good Thursday night on our prelim night. We won our heat race. We uh, we're running probably 12th or 13th in the feature and right there was Rico and, you know, he was, me and him were racing pretty good and, you know, he couldn't get by us. So I knew we had a good car. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, they had a yellow, and then I, I, I think Ian Madsen broke or something and pulled off right in front of me, and I ended up losing five spots. We didn't have a good prelim night like we wanted, but, you know, we had a lot of speed. This stuff didn't fall our way at the Nationals, and that's just, you know, that's part of it. You know, when you go to a big race like that, like, you got to really have all your T's, you know, crossed and your I's dotted, and right. we were just missing a little bit, and, uh, you know, it wasn't the exact Nationals we wanted. Um, you know, but I was fortunate enough to get a race with Billy Vilhauer up there. And, um, you know, like throughout that week, I learned a lot about what a race car really needed on what you need to do to change the car throughout the night, how to make your car better and set it up. Like I've been learning that throughout the season, but like, I feel like my half mile program really, uh, took a step forward through that week and, uh, you know, getting a race with Billy, like I was able to kind of work with him and try some things and get to learn get to learn some stuff that I can apply to you know my own situation and stuff like that too so um you know I got to thank Billy for giving me that opportunity you know obviously me and Billy were still good friends and right you know me and his family our families are good friends too so right uh yeah our nationals wasn't what I think any of us wanted but you know it's just part of it you know sometimes that's just the way it goes do, do you think racing up at Knoxville has helped your big track game? Do you feel like it's helped you quite a bit after racing up at Knoxville quite a bit this year? Yeah, like I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like when I started the year, I thought Knoxville was going to be kind of the one place I was like going to be really good at this year because we've been pretty consistent. Right. And, you know, we won the season championship race there last year. So I was like, man, we're going to go to Knoxville and be lights out and, you know, really the first half of the year, like, I struggled really bad up there at Knoxville. So, um, you know, here I feel like in the last month, um, you know, really like mid-July on, like I've kind of gotten a lot better at Knoxville this year, like just getting my cars better. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's been the biggest benefactor for me. And then anytime you get a race on a track like Knoxville, it's so technical to run the bottom or to run the top. you got to be – you got to run – it's such a fine line there. Mm-hmm. And uh, to – to be good at Knoxville, like, you can apply that just about anywhere in the country. So, um, you know, obviously Knoxville is one of the toughest places to race, and anytime you can get rolling there, it's you know, it's going to benefit you whether you go to another half mile or even a place like Houston's. Hey, Ayrton, this is Kirk. Uh, congratulations on the win last night. Very big for your family to win at the fair. Uh, this season in sprint car racing has been the silly season. It's not just the off-season but the silly season has run wild all over sprint car racing, and you've been a big you've been a big part of that. And one of was the early ones. A uh, lot of drivers movement. Just talked about that situation that was kind of a surprise to everybody, uh, and when it happened, and how you've been able to recover from that. I gotta believe it's made you better in a lot of different ways. No doubt, because you've been. You've been a uh, a big uh, part of this uh, heavy dose of what we call the business of sprint car racing. Yeah, you know, um, like when my my I feel like I was kind of the first one that had something happen out of the whole situation. Right. And you know, my mine may not have been as big as like the Kofoid with you know Crouch and whatever that all kind of started it all. But um, you know, I feel like I've had a crazy year myself. Like we, you know, we started off with. Uh, you know, our previous sponsors, and they ended up leaving pretty early on, and they kind of left us stranded for a little bit. And then then we teamed up with Brody Hayward, 
and uh, got racing with him. Well, then I started driving for that guy up there at Houston's, um, and uh, the Judd Cruel car. I started racing up at Houston's with them. And then I've drove, and then, you know, obviously recently I was with Billy Vilhauer, and then now I'm back in the Hayward stuff. So I've been bouncing around all over, and, you know, I feel like it's just been a crazy year. Like, um, I don't think I've, I mean, you know, I haven't really been, like, really big in sprint car racing, like, not necessarily big, but, like, really paid a lot of attention to everything that goes on in the seasons, um, you know, because, like, when I was running micros or 360s, I was never really worried about it. Like, I, you know, like, I'm not, wasn't directly involved like I am now. And uh, it's crazy to see, like, it's, 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 it's really almost, like, uncomfortable feeling being a race car driver right now if you're <laughs> driving for somebody or, you know, driving for a team or, like, whatever, because it's, like, like right now it's almost like it's just no holds barred. Like everyone's like, you know what? Like you're not doing good. You're out. Someone else is in and it's crazy. It's crazy to see it. Like I've been lucky. Like the, the people up at Houston, Judd and his family, like they, they stuck with me the whole time. They never, you know, never, no doubt in my mind I was safe there. And then, you know, me and Billy, when we were racing together, I didn't have, I didn't question that either, you know? So, um, and then obviously Brody Hayward, like, you know, he's been a big part of kind of getting us back rolling to where we needed to be with, uh, helping us out. So it's been crazy. Like I've like, you know, everyone knows me for the three and then this year they're like, well, what number is he in? You know, I've been in, I think seven different race car numbers this season. Why, so, why do you think it's been so crazy and all the, all the moves that's gone on in sprint car racing? Why all of a sudden this year it's been like it has been? You know, I don't know. Like, you see a lot of partnerships out there. Like, um, like I always say, like, if you're in a partnership or with a team, like, if you can make it last, it's usually going to be three to five years. And if it goes past that three to five-year mark, then it's, like, a very good, well-gelled mix. But, like, that three to five-year range is kind of, like, the number where I see, like, you know, you've raced together long enough. Everyone wants, you know, we, everyone wants to win. Like, we, no one would be you want to win like every person on that racetrack every sponsor every fan like every car owner they all want their guys to win so you know and if you're not winning like it just adds the pressure well sometimes you know that pressure can just build up you know so um it's just it's tough like it's crazy to think about it like i sit back as like i think someone made a list of like all the different driver changes this year i think the list was like three pages long right it was crazy and it's like, you know, like, for example, like, Crockett's and Lance DeWeese, like, what I've ever seen now. They've been together for seven years, but, you know, at some point, like, everything has its breaking point. You know, it's like, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, there's no way to explain it. It's just crazy. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Um, you know, a lot of it's just, you know, everyone's at that point, too. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stress going on this year within racing and in, in the industry period. So, right. um, you know, I feel like that just kind of adds on to all that. Yeah. Hey, so w- w- what's that mean to win in the family car down there at the fair, man? That that had to be kind of special to you, right? Yeah, you know, it was really cool. Like when we did it in 2021 in the 360, it was really cool, you know, um, because it was with Chad and, that was like, you know, holy cow, we won at the fair. Like, winning at Sedalia meant a lot. And, uh, you know, it's a place that I've won at, my dad's won at, my grandpa's won at. So that's, like, really historic and cool. But then last night to do it, like, where I feel like I was kind of, you know, being the crew chief and the driver 
and then doing it in the 410, like you throw all three of that in there. And then, you know, Garrett Brown, like Garrett's been lights out this year, and him and Dennis got a really good package together. And then obviously Brown, anytime you go to Sedalia or Half Mile, like he's in the hunt. So mm-hmm. to outrun those two guys, you know, that, that means a lot, period. And then to do it, you know, like we didn't just get the lead and go like we did at the 360 deal. Like I had to get back. I had to pass Brown to take the lead, and then I had to race through traffic. And so it was, uh, it was, you know, it was pretty, pretty rewarding at the end of the night to like know that me and my team, we did it, you know, like. Right. That's the one thing too. I'll say is like you got to have good guys. Like I like I said this when I won at Houston's is you anyone can buy the stuff, but you got to have the guys. And I feel like I really got great guys behind me with Steve, Ace, my dad, Randy, and then all my sponsors as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very fortunate to have the situation I'm in, and you know I got guys that it's like we're gonna have nights where we struggle, where I'm trying to learn what the car needs and how to get the car to make it feel a certain way to get me comfortable. And, you know, there's going to be nights where we struggle because of that. And, um, you know, then there's nights like last night where when I, when I can figure that out and put it, you know, into the car with how I want it and what I need, like we'll be lights out. So, yeah. And that's just having a good support system. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just very lucky. So what, what was the feeling last night when you passed blackjack, Brian Brown, that had to feel pretty good that you went around the 21 car how about that yeah you know i um like after they watered the top like i was kind of skeptical of the top a little bit and i could tell like that first lap he was he didn't really trust it at all so he kind of was playing it safe and you know i knew whenever he played it safe i was like dude i gotta go like this is my chance like you don't get a lot of chances to kind of um you know make a pounce on the 21 car on a place like that so um, you know, it's just and when you're leading the race, you're in a different situation than when you're in second. You know, if I'm leading the race, like, I'm not really sure either. But when you're in second, you know, you got nothing to lose and you got a point to prove. So, um, you know, I just got after it. And when I, I got by him in turns and I got by him in four coming to the line and when I took the lead, I was like, oh, yeah, man, I'm, I'll be good here. And then I went down the back stretch and they where the, the water still wasn't all the way ran in and. I went in there and I hit the slime and almost spun out and like backed it into the fence. And I'm not going to lie. I, I puckered up because I thought it was going to hurt. <laughs> and luckily I, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I saved it somehow. And when he slid me, like he just kind of lost enough momentum. I could cross him over and regain the lead. So, um, yeah, no, it was great. You know, like that's the thing too. Like I, I made a mistake and I was able to recover from that mistake and still take the lead back. And, uh, you know, take the lead from Brownie there, like, you know, that's that's saying something. you got to be really good to pass him there and on any type of half mile. So, yeah, um, yeah you know, that meant, that meant a lot. You know, obviously me and Brown, like, we've, uh, you know, we've I wouldn't say we're, we're like, you know, rivals or whatever because I haven't really been on that uh, level of his this year to where I can really race him a lot up front. So, um, you know, he's kind of had the upper hand on me all season. So to kind of get the upper hand on him last night was pretty nice for me. Every time you go to Sedalia, you hope it's not the last time. It was great to see a great crowd on a hot night down there. That's what's going to keep that track alive. Uh, Man, you feel, it so how much hot. longer do you feel like we're going to have the historic half mile? Yeah, you know, um, obviously there's always, you know, you always got, you know, the, the stuff you hear. So, um, you know, I heard they were having a vote on it uh, after the fair, and I really hope they keep it. You know, it's like, for the one race a year they have, they pack the stands. 
Um, you know, it's the last night of the fair. It's just a good way to send it off. Uh, the racing, I think, was phenomenal last night in the feature. Like, I went back and watched the video. Like, there was good racing all over the racetrack. Uh, I didn't get to see any support classes, but they didn't look like they put on a bad show either. So, right. And they had a lot of cars in the pit. So, I feel like for for what it was, like, if they could just kind of keep growing it a little bit more, like, it could be a really good race, you know. And I feel like that place, like, with how historic it is, like, I'd hate to see it go, but... You know, if it, if it does go now, um, and I was the last one to win at it, I wouldn't be upset because it'd be you know pretty cool to say I was the last one to win there. So um, yeah, no, I I, I don't want to see it go at all. I really hope it don't. But you know, if it does, like a part of me will be glad that I was the last one to win there in a way. So, yeah, I can't I can't understand uh, why it just doesn't make any sense. The, it seems like racing is the most cost-effective entertainment at any fair. That's why I haven't been back to the Iowa State Fair. They took the track out. That's, that gives a lot of people a reason to go to the fair is because right. of the races. No and it, uh, the entertainment acts that they book in there has got to cost a fortune. I can't think of a more cost-effective form of entertainment than racing at the fair, and to try to do away with that makes absolutely no sense to me. None at all. No, I agree. It doesn't. It's like I know the tickets were a little less for them last night. I know that I think the tickets were twenty bucks, but it's like to have them concerts and all the stuff they got to do to have them concerts on there. It's like how hard is it to you know like the water? That's about it. You know, like water, yeah. a little bit of tractor work. Like yeah, you got to have staff, but you got to have staff for every event you put on there. So um, you know, I think if I don't, I don't see them getting rid of it. I really don't. If they do, I think I'd be kind of shocked and disappointed. Yeah. But um, I don't. I I really don't think they have a reason to. You know, after last night's crowd, I mean, it was a hundred degrees. Like I didn't even want to be there. You know. And right. Nobody there. wanted to be there. <laughs> yeah, no one wanted to be there. But you know, like you look at those stands. Like last night, man. Before the like before the races started, I was kind of looking at the racetrack, and I was like, man, there's a lot of people here for how early it was and how hot it was. Yeah, no so, doubt. No. Know, no doubt the the reason I didn't go down there last night was because of the heat. Yeah, that was the, you know, I think if it was 80 degrees, I bet that place would have been almost sold out. Yeah, no you doubt. Know, like I really do. Well, I don't, I don't want to minimize what you did last night, Ayrton, but to me, the big winner at the fair was the fans. The fans that showed up, they were the big winners. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, – you know, and that's too. Like, I think us as a as a you know as a race team, like we like seeing crowds like that. You know, when you get out of the car and you see all the fans in the stands, that's the one thing I can say. Like the two races I've won there, both times those stands are absolutely packed, and there's nothing beats racing in front of a crowd like that. So yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, the fans the fans are what we need to keep keep the sport alive and. The fans are what we need to keep Sedalia going. So, yeah, you know, I said it last night. Like the fans that came out in the heat, like thank you, because you know we needed all of them people there to, yeah, you know, convince them to keep that track going. Ayrton, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show today, and congratulations on that win. And we want that track to stay there. We we don't want you to be the last winner there. We're just saying that. Well, hope, hopefully I keep on winning there. Then, then no matter what, I can keep it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, Aridan, thanks so much for joining us on the show, man. We can't thank you enough for doing so. All right, thank you guys for having me on. All right. Thanks, Aridan. Congratulations. Aridan Jeniton, third-generation driver. And, man, can that guy stand on the gas, Kirk?
He's pretty good. Yeah, he gets better all the time. And to go through everything that he's gone through this year. Uh, all the trial and tribulation that he's had to go yeah. through. And right? he's coming out the other side. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, when we come back, Garrett Williamson, who picked up the win on Saturday night down at Lucas Oil Speedway. He joins us next right here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll be back with more in a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods. And specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods. And specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods. And specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to 
get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I was in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports, and it's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Kirk, do you know where they're racing this week? Uh, they are racing. I had that up here just a second ago. They are not racing this weekend. They're uh, off this week. Nope, I take that back. I stand corrected. They are at Central Missouri Speedway this Saturday night. This Saturday night? Yep. CMS, get down there and check them out. Just take I-70 out to 13 Highway, turn right, go about 15 miles, and you'll see CMS right there on the left-hand side. Yes, sir. And uh, check them out. I, I was down there earlier this year and saw the uh, Power Eye Lightning Sprints in action down there. It's a, it, I think it's a, almost a perfect racetrack for that series. Oh, it is, no doubt. Hey, Kirk, we want to uh, give a real big shout-out to our friends up at Liberty RV for taking such good care of us over the years. For the last 20 years, they've always taken really good care of us. Preston and Beverly are the owners of Liberty RV, and they've given us a motorhome every time we've ever asked. They've given us one. And in rewards, I think that we're going to maybe buy one from them up there. If not... You got your eye on a couple of units up there, I, dude? I've, I've got my eye on a unit up there that is uh, about twenty grand. Tag along or a fifth wheel? It's a tag along. But what we, what we can do with the tag along is we can put the, the golf cart up in the bed of the truck. And... Because I was looking at toy haulers, right? I was looking at these toy haulers, and I'm thinking, well, why not just put the put the golf cart up in the bed of the truck and get us a regular RV that we can just tow along? What do you think about that? Yeah, I like that idea. The one thing I like about uh, this situation versus the motorhome is you've got something to drive once you get the RV parked. That's always been the biggest downfall of a motorhome is yep. that when you drive it somewhere, you got you got nothing to drive. So I want to take you up to Liberty RV, and I want you to take a look at this unit that Good. I'm looking at up there. Would you would you go up there with me and take oh, a look absolutely. at it? Yeah, yeah. So we'll get it done. We'll I can't get it done. Listen, 
you've got to go to Liberty RV if you want a pull-along or a fifth-wheel RV because they've got the most inventory of anybody around. So get up there and check them out at Liberty RV. Is is it LibertyRV.com, Todd? Do you know? I think it is. I think it is, but I'll double-check on that one. All right. I got their website. They saved us. They allowed us to go to Eldora and Knoxville this year. So thank you, Liberty RV. Yes, it is. Liberty Liberty RV MO.com. Liberty RV MO.com. So just go there and check them out. And I guarantee it, you're going to find an RV that you really like up there. So we're going to do that today or wait for a little bit cooler day? (laughs) You better go on a cooler day. This is the most extreme day. This is the hottest day in maybe in Missouri history. How soon is it supposed to cool up, Seven. We're going to have four more days of this. Brutal weather. Brutal. The Basically, the... I, the depths of hell have opened up in the Midwest, and we right. are, are experiencing. It's hotter than here. Let me tell you something, guys. This is how hot it was yesterday. I I thought people were joking. Uh, some of the local news or weather guys were posting pictures of people's barbecue grills, and the temperature gauge on the grills were at two hundred and five degrees. Oh my God! Because it's black, you know. And it's setting in the sun. So that grill, some of these grills were hitting 200 degrees. Without being on. Not even being on, guys. Uh. It's insane out there what's going on. Like today, the heat index in Topeka was broke. The the record ever in Topeka was 123 heat index. It was broke yesterday, 125. They're predicting 130 heat index today with 104 a hundred and four or five degree actual temperatures in Topeka today. You know what I say to that? Thank <laughs> God for air conditioning. Let me tell you something. I've got we have a guy here locally plays for a, a tribute band, plays for like four tribute bands. He also works as a heating and electrician and air conditioning guy. And he's buried alive. Let me tell you, he was out till midnight last night refixing air conditions all across the Midwest. Right. I was in the pool. At ten o'clock, or maybe later than that, probably eleven thirty. It was still last night. You were in the pool. Ninety degrees, guys, at not at ten o'clock last night. Ninety degrees. Oh, that's insane! It was insane. Hey, just so you know, I got in the hot tub last night. (laughs) Just so you know. Now, how enjoyable is that getting in a hot tub when it's hundred degrees outside? Let me tell you this, Kirk. That hot tub is so relaxing, and, and it was so hot last night that I only stayed in for one round hey, of uh, just one round of, uh, of of heat. In the winter time, you'll jump in that thing, and it really works when it's really cold out, right? Right. Well, I love it when it's cold out. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So the, hey, uh, by the way, uh, Midwest Lightning Sprint winner at Central Missouri Speedway. They raced there last Saturday night, by the way. They'll be there this Saturday. Stanley Kreisel picks up the win, and he's the same guy I saw win down there when I saw the Midwest Lightning Sprints back there in late June. So yeah. congratulations to Stanley Kreisel. All right, let's uh, bring on our next guest. He picked up the win down at Lucas Oil Speedway on Saturday night. Let's talk to Garrett Williamson. Garrett, how you doing, bud? Good. How are you guys? 
Hey, we're doing really well, man. Not as good as you, but you you, you picked up that win down there at Lucas Oil Speedway. That that had to be thrilling for you, didn't it? Yeah, that was great. And, and obviously last night, I think we were, had a good shot to sweep the weekend and unfortunately blew an engine. But the walkway was one win, great. And uh, yeah, overall good weekend. A first, a good first outing in the 12X, and we showed lots of speed. So it's good to have something to build on. Yeah, I wondered what happened to you last night. So it was a blown engine. That's about as, that you know, you had a fast race car. I guess you're happy it didn't happen the night before. But, man, how many nights did you have on that engine? Uh, that was one of Billy's. They said it had six nights on it. So that's, that one stings for them or for all of us. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, tell me what uh, what y- your feeling is about Lucas Oil Speedway. You know, We've got the Jesse Hockett Daniel McMillan Memorial coming up here pretty quick, um, but that that racetrack is such a great racetrack down there, and they they've kind of figured it out on how to make that track work for sprint cars da- down there, haven't they? Yeah, it's a love hate relationship with that place for me. I think I've been good there at times, and then I've struggled there at times. So uh, to finally get a win there is really big, and a, a win in Missouri. I haven't won at home in a long time so that definitely feels good and then obviously to win a few weeks before the hawk it's huge and yeah that was probably the best that place has ever been when i've been there it was a lot of fun you know there's a good bottom the top was good so hopefully they carry that into the hawk and we have a great racetrack all three nights and um, i was really glad to see the split qualifying i think that'll help a lot with the track and keeping it good all night just limiting the amount of race cars and laps on it you know, I, I, I want to give a little bit of a shout-out to Ben Brown, who runs second that night. That's a pretty good run for him, isn't it? Yeah, that is, that's a great run for them. He's been doing a long time, along with me. We grew up racing together. So to see guys like him and Riley, that uh, we've all grown up racing together, and all of us are having success now in, in the sprint car world. It's pretty cool to get up on the podium with those guys and guys I've grown up racing with. So, yeah, it was pretty neat. Uh, restart was 17 laps to go. You had a close call, made a little contact there. Not so good for who you made contact with, but you're able to get through it there. Talk about that. Yeah, that, that was kind of an unfortunate deal. You know, I had a good restart. No one was next to me, and I kind of just went to middle to top to kind of slide myself, just like I'd done every restart before. And I guess he tried making it work around me, or I don't know, but it was kind of a weird deal. But yeah, it worked out for us. And uh, didn't hurt anything on our car so we were good and our race car was still fast so yeah just uh, had to settle back down and close off some good laps and that was a really long race i was kind of frustrated that we didn't have an open red and obviously we made it out but there were some other cars that didn't and yeah i wish we had an open red because we were going to be we were close and obviously the other guys ran out so yeah yeah hey. it seemed like you had about four or five cars that did run out of fuel how did you yeah. make it and they didn't uh we made sure we filled up we had, I think we've had 26 27 gallons in. and once i realized that you know we had been out there a while i was leaning out as much as i could under yellows and just kind of idled around the bottom try to save fuel as much as you can it's just you got i mean that's just one of the things you have to pay attention to with running stuff like that in different series that yeah you know haven't been doing it a long time to really know the fuel stop and to know the laps and places like that so we were out there a long time and obviously it started crossing my mind so try to save some fuel just in case you know at the knoxville nationals you raised a lot of eyebrows 
up there at the Knoxville Nationals. Man, you you had a pretty decent run up there, didn't you? Yeah, we were good. Uh, obviously, I didn't get the – I wasn't in our own 24, so Dennis Ganey stepped up and let me run one of his cars, and Fishers uh, stepped up along with them, and we ran one of their engines. Devin and Kurt are great people, and I'm I'm excited to keep working with them, and they've, they're doing a lot for me, so – uh, Dennis Ganey and we all and uh, the Fishers and Dennis Moore Jr. We all put that deal together the wee hours through the night before our prelim to have a race car ready to go. And we were fast, just we struggled being consistent through the whole night. We had lots of speed. Obviously, we ran second uh, most of our pre or yeah, second most of our uh, prelim night, and then got it in the wall and bent some stuff. And we kind of struggled and just managed the rest of our prelim night, and then missed it by two spots on Saturday. So that one definitely sucked, but. To be that close, I think, when a brand-new race car and just everything kind of thrown together last second isn't isn't too bad, but obviously still left a lot on the table. Well, I got to tell you, Garrett, everybody was shocked the day after the 360 Nationals when we saw the news, Bryant Paper Motorsports and you had parted ways. A uh, terrible crash at the end of that 360 final, uh, you and Caleb Johnson there. But, uh, yeah, yeah I think that, everybody that, but- was shocked that – that you guys parted ways. What what was going on there? Um, I think it was just time for us to go our separate ways. You know, we've had a good run at it the last three and a half years, and obviously our our friendship to us meant more than than racing. And it was just it was getting to be to the point where that was going to jeopardize that. So uh, I think it was just time for us to go our separate ways. And I think he's done with racing, and it was time for me to move on. So uh, it's just part of racing, you know. All the good things don't last forever, and you just got to make the most of it. And very fortunate for what he did for me, and gave me the opportunity, and uh, I'll for, I'll cherish that forever. And gave me an opportunity that most kids would love to have. So yeah, it's just part of racing, you know. It's just these deals don't last forever. Yeah, and that had to be a little painful, though, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, it was just really bad timing. I think that was just the worst part of it it was was the timing of it the two biggest weeks of racing for us and what we kind of worked for all year and then kind of in the in the trash basically yeah no doubt so how do you see yourself moving forward from here you've already kind of bounced back in a lot of ways but just how do you see yourself over the next uh, two or three years and where you're headed um obviously my end goal is i want to go run out all full time so Whatever my options that can lead me to that is is what I want to do, and I think me and Billy are, and DMJ are going to try to put something together to run the rest of this year, and then uh, I don't really know what next year brings yet. I've just kind of slowly been calling people and just trying to work the phone and see what opportunities I can I can land, and just trying to put my best foot forward and making sure I pick the right the right car, the right team to bring a lot of my amazing partners to, and I just want to find another home that I. Um, that's going to be great for us and the people around me. Well, the way you've been performing, especially no in Knoxville, you're not going to be short of any calls, and I'm sure you haven't been. So uh, that puts you in a pretty good space now based on your performance. Your performance has been excellent. Oh, you guys cut out there first. I didn't hear the middle of that. Sorry. I, I was just saying uh, I can't imagine you'd ever be short of phone calls after what you've done, especially at Knoxville. And and how yeah. you performed up there is uh, has got to put you in a really good place right now, no doubt. I'm hoping so. You know that was kind of our goal at the beginning of this year was go to Knoxville and be good there and try to turn some heads there because obviously everyone pays attention to Knoxville and 
want to just get good there and try to, you know, better ourselves and better our team. And obviously that that didn't happen, but I think we, we did succeed in the way of getting good at Knoxville and getting some recognition. recognition. And uh, obviously Knoxville is a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun there. And one of my goals this year was to win a race, and now we've won two there. So that was that was great for us. And, yeah, just hopefully the phone – the phone rings and I can uh, put something together for next year. That's, that'll be in the best interest. How about that night that, at the World of Outlaws up there and how you performed it at, with the World of Outlaws that night? Yeah, that was huge for us, obviously. You know, I haven't, I don't think I had a top 10 with Outlaws before that. And then to click off a P, uh, P3 was huge. And uh, we were really good that night. And then to back it up with the, our first 360 win was, I think that capped the night off. And that's kind of what we'd been looking for all year is just a night like that to really kickstart us and we've been close and that was the night and it just happened to be on the biggest night all year there minus outlaw or minus the national so that was big for us and obviously that's the night i won't forget yeah listen is is there any chance that the all-stars is an option for you i know that you want to run with the world of outlaws everybody wants to run with the world of outlaws i get that but is is it an option to run with the All Stars if if the, if an opportunity arises right there? Yeah, hundred percent. Obviously, that's that's probably that would be the next step before the Outlaws would obviously try to go All Star racing. But uh, just end goal would be Outlaws and nothing against the All Stars. So obviously, that would, would be my preferred next step because they go to some great racetracks and they race just as much and just as good competition. So yeah, I have no issue running All Stars and. That's kind of something I'm trying to put together and find to go do next year is, is go out on the road and race with them or or whatever that may be just to be out on the road and race with those guys. Yeah. How, talk about that experience out at Eldora Speedway. How do you like that? I loved Eldora. I, I kind of figured I'd like it just the way it, remind, it reminded me just obviously watching videos and watching there for so long of Moberly from back home. It's a similar track shape and size and so that was one of my favorite places back here so i was excited to go there and after going there i kind of fell in love with it so hopefully i can get back and try to go to four crown or something but obviously who knows it's it's crazy right now and just trying to go week by week but yeah i definitely want to go back there i think we had good speed out of the box for what we had yep no doubt well listen man uh, let me tell you you've got tons of talent and I, I'm sure that a team that's out there looking for a driver would consider you as a driver, considering all the success that you've had here recently. I, I, I've got to believe that there's a team out there looking at you right now. Well, I hope so. You know, uh, yeah, just hope the phone calls and I can get a deal rolling for next year and just find another full-time home and uh, get to work right away and try to go chase some big wins. Yeah, no you're doubt. gonna get a good ride with somebody. Trust me, <laughs> that's gonna happen. Yeah, no, no doubt. We we believe in you, Garrett. So just well, so you, you know, the racing boys believe in you. Thank you, guys. All right, we we appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show today, and thanks so much for doing so. And we can't thank you enough for being on the show. Thanks for calling me, guys. All right, yep. there congratulations you on the win the other night. There you have it, Garrett Williamson. We're gonna take a commercial break. We'll be back with more. It's all mostly motorsports brought to you by Rod and Supply featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll be back with more in a moment. Stay tuned.
listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I was in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do.
Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Chase Rodman joins us now on the show. Chase, how you doing, bud? Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, everything's going well over here. Um, just uh, relaxing today after you know quite a few days on the road here recently, so uh, everything's going good. So, what do you do on your day off? What what kind of what kind of activities do you do? Do you play golf? Well, so far today, I ended up sleeping in for quite a while because uh, yesterday, or was it yesterday or the day before? So whatever Sunday, um, we didn't get done at Jackson until you know eleven or so, and then we had uh, to tear all of our equipment down and didn't leave the track till about one o'clock in the morning. And then we had an hour and a half drive to Sioux Falls, and then my flight board at 4:20 a.m. So I didn't sleep for 24 hours straight. So oh, I slept oh. in today. Um, just got some Chipotle for lunch, and then I'm thinking about going to play golf potentially. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, no doubt. It's not hot out there like it is here in Kansas City. It's like 100 degrees. It's not hot there. It it's not really that hot. It's just very humid right now. Is the is the only thing I can really complain about. But other than that, it ain't too bad today. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think about uh, Carson Macedo picking up the win up at Jackson Motorplex? Yeah, uh, I mean that's the two two years in a row that he's won the finale. You know, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of was hoping to see um, McFadden, you know, kind of make history or tie history there and win three races in a row at the same track. You know, three days in a row, but uh, Carson was just uh, was just really good. So great to see him, you know, get uh, another you know pretty decent paying win. I think it was his fifth of the season, so um, he was fast every single night. But you know, it's just um, I don't know some circumstances. Just he couldn't really win any of those other prelim nights. But yeah, it was great to see him win. I just wish the track was a little bit better, guys. To be honest with you, I thought it was kind of a boring race for the first thirty or so. Uh, everybody just kind of running the bottom, and nobody really making any moves until that last, you know, that caution with five to go. Yeah, thank God for that caution flag that came out because I agree with you, Chase. It it was kind of, yeah, it didn't look like there was much passing going on. But that last two or three lap battle between Carson and Brad Sweet, that would, that made it as far as I'm concerned. Just kind of talk about those two guys dicing it up. Yeah, I think that that really did save the race. You know, if, if that yellow didn't come out and it finished how it was going to finish, then uh, people would still be complaining about it right now. But luckily, everybody probably forgot about the first 30 laps uh, because of what happened there in the last five. Um, you know, there was one point in time where, you know, McFadden got to the back of the field. I think it was Lockie McHugh was the first car to go a lap down, and he rode behind him for, like, 10 laps. Like, that's how fast the lap cars were. Like, everybody was just the same speed um, and couldn't even get by any lap cars. But I will say that I wish a couple of guys would have tried the top earlier on in that race because I think it was there. It's just nobody wanted to leave that sec the security of the bottom, right? I mean, it was so good. 
But we saw as soon as that yellow came out, Brad tried the top, and it was there, which leads me to believe that maybe it was there for 10 laps previous to that. Just nobody went up there to really try it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are you shocked by that? I, I'm very surprised that somebody didn't try the top. Yeah, I mean, there was, like, one lap where, like, Gio went up there and tried it, and there was another lap where, like, somebody else would go up there and try it. Uh, but the, the other thing is that maybe was concerning for the guys up front was, like, none of the lap cars that were, you know, in their vision were running the top either. They were all on the bottom, too. So um, I think that kind of maybe played a factor into it as well. But, yeah, I thought for sure, you know, we'd see at least somebody try and go up there, but it just never really – nobody really ever – got up there and, and tried to make it happen. So um, kind of disappointing because I thought the first two nights were actually pretty good uh, as far as the prelims go. Um, you know, we had two lanes and whatnot and some sliders and things. But, um, yeah, Saturday just wasn't – I mean, at least the finish was good, but it wasn't exactly the finale we were all hoping for. Yeah. Um, James McFadden, man, he's shown a lot of speed in that car lately, hasn't he? You know, uh, I, I feel like – that James McFadden has carried the 83 car better than just about anybody else in recent years. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. You know, last year was quite the struggle for them, his first season in it. You know, it took them the entire season or so to, to finally get a win. But, man, this year they've got six wins. I think it's they're the second most wins so far of anybody on the Outlaw Tour right now. I think he's actually tied with Brad uh, for that spot. But, um, you know, I just, I just really wish that we could have seen where he'd be at in points right now if he didn't get that penalty earlier in the year, you know. That really, really killed those guys. But um, he has been super, super fast uh, every single night. I mean, there, he should probably have eight or nine wins, I think. He was close to Peebley and hit the wall there. He was close at uh, River Cities earlier this year and had an issue there. Um, so there's been a couple moments where, I mean, James McFadden could have close to ten wins, I think, this year but just some circumstances took him out of it, you know. So he's been really fun to watch. I hope he sticks around next year. I keep hearing rumors that he might – this might be his last season on the Outlaw Tour going home to, you know, raise his son and whatnot and, and get back to the family business over there. But who knows if that's true or whatever. But I think after this year, he's got to reconsider. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the standings here. What has he got, about six or seven fewer starts than, than Macedo's got 49 starts this year? So that, that's a big penalty. Yeah, I think he, what was it, it was a three or four race penalty or, or something when that whole deal happened um, with the, uh, what was it, I forgot, oh, what was the penalty? I, I forgot, guys. Um, I don't even remember what the penalty was I, I think Oh, it was, it was the tire deal, tire deal. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, he lost four races there, and then I think he's missed maybe a couple of races, like didn't make the show in a couple of races, to, like at Knoxville, like he didn't, he doesn't get a start there because he, you know, blew that tire in the, leading the B and all that, so. Yeah, he's definitely a couple of races behind, but, um, man, if he wouldn't have had those issues, he would. Uh, I think he'd be close to the top five. You know what else is crazy is very, very quietly, Gio Selzy is now 30 points behind Logan Shore for fourth in points in his rookie year. I thought that was quite interesting to see that this year, or this, uh, this weekend. Yeah. One guy that had a really bad week, and just soon forget this one, is David Gravel. He, uh, what, he had an 11th, a thir- uh, 13th on Saturday night. That didn't count points on Saturday night, but a 24th and an 11th place finishes on those two points nights. Very bad week for David Gravel. Yeah, and that was something we mentioned uh, in the pre-race show on Thursday, that uh, with that format there at Jackson, it could sway the points one way or the other in a pretty dramatic fashion and that was 
definitely the case uh, for David. You know, he came into the weekend 14 points behind Brad um, and left. I think he's 60 back now, and he's third in points. So yeah. um, that format really killed him, and uh, it's definitely a weekend he's going to want to forget. And I don't know if you guys were watching on thir- or Saturday night or not, but mentioned that that was the first time Gravels finished outside the top ten in back-to-back races since March of last year. So um, wow. that doesn't happen too often, and it's definitely a weekend they're going to want to forget. Yeah, I heard you, you say you, that. You you would think with the momentum that he had at Knoxville that, that that would transfer over to momentum through the regular season. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, you would You would definitely think so. Um, but I would say on Wednesday uh, in his heat race, it was kind of like the same thing that happened in Knoxville, right? He was in the heat race. He was you know trying to make a move and had one little mistake in turn one on the, in the heat race at Jackson and lost like three spots and only got one of them back throughout that heat race. And then that set him way behind for the rest of the night, right? And then it's based off event points over two nights. And then when he had that tire blowout and broke a shock or whatever, then obviously wasn't able to get back out there. That pretty much killed uh, any momentum or any type of chance for him to run up front and, and contend for the Jackson Nationals win. So, um, I don't. I'm not going to say it's over because we still have a lot of races left to run. Still more than more than 20 some races to run, and Gravel's got a lot of good tracks coming up. But it's going to be tough because Brad, he will uh, he'll nickel and dime you to a championship, right? He'll run fifth. He'll run eighth. He'll run seventh. He's going to run third. Like he's not going to win every race, but he's going to be right there, and he's going to be just very steady, Eddie, and very um, very consistent. And that's how he's won these last four championships. This is this is how rare Brad Sweet ever has a bad night that we can remember last year when he did he had that flip at uh, at Houston's and then he had that bad night at Williams Grove. Uh, those are the only two bad nights he had the whole season. He just never has a bad night. It seems. Yeah, and that flip at Houston's you're talking about that was that was a non points race. That was at the um, High Bank Nationals, I believe. So mm-hmm. really, he had one bad. I think maybe, I can't remember from last year, but, you know, he maybe had one more. But that one at Williams Grove, and it wasn't his fault, obviously, broke a rear end, and you're not going to be able to fix that in the work area. So, um, yeah, he does not have bad nights often. He always finishes the race. I remember this year, I think it was at 81 Speedway maybe, where he had a flat tire, came in, changed it, still came back and ran, you know, in the top 15 or so. Uh, he just... He just uh, knows how to win. He knows how to win championships. You know, you can't give up. you got to be able to run all the laps. Um, and he doesn't put himself in bad situations. If he sees there's a bad situation going on, he, he knows to, to calm down, back up a little bit, let it sort itself out, and get back going, you know. So um, those, that's what those guys are going to need. Carson and David need one bad night from Brad coming up here soon, and I think we'll see a three-car battle all the way to the end. Yep, no doubt. Uh, I, I believe last year Carson Macedo won 11 races, um, right now, David Gravel's got 10 races in, in the win box. Um, do you think that he's got a chance to leapfrog and get up there and, and put some pressure on Brad Sweet? It, because you say he's got some tracks that are coming up that are really good for him. Do you think that that, that might work for him in the, in the end? Well, Sweet's got to have some bad nights, right? He's got to have a yeah. bad, one bad night. Yeah, if he has one bad night, then absolutely he's going to get back up there, but the problem is, I mean, if David wins the next eight races, you know, Brad's not going to run better or worse than fifth. You know, I right. mean, he's going to be right there. He's not going to gain too many points on him. And David's not going to win the next eight races, right? I mean, I, I'd say he'll probably win three more by the end of the year uh, with how many races we still have to go. 
Um, but Brad's going to win a couple still, you know, and he's, I don't know. At this point, I just think that they need to have him either DNF or, or get a flat tire late in the race and run 18th one night and Carson and David both run top five. Uh, because other than that, I just don't see how they're going to catch him. Uh, I mean, sure, we're heading to California where Carson is very good. That's where he grew up racing at. Obviously, David's won a lot of races in California, but also Brad grew up in California, right? So I don't know, man. Uh, I just think they're going to need him to have one bad night, and that's very, very rare, though, for that 49 yeah. to, to do that. I think it's absolutely amazing. Carson Macedo had that bad crash at Knoxville, spent a night in the hospital, didn't really sit out of that race car. He was not 100%. Uh, and he admitted that for several weeks, and to, for him to get himself back in a position to challenge for this championship after that terrible crash at Knoxville is really amazing. Oh, maybe we lost him. Did we lose Chase? We might have. So we'll try to get him back here just a little bit. But yeah, I mean that crash at Knoxville, and uh, you got to be a hundred percent in these race cars in order to compete at the highest level, and Carson admittedly was not 100%. So, I mean, it's You just... want to ask your question again to Chase? Yeah. Chase, uh, we lost you there for just a little bit. We got you back? Yeah, I'm here, yep. Uh, you, you know, it just it's really amazing uh, that Carson Macedo, with that bad crash at Knoxville, that spent a night in the hospital, never really missed a race, but he was not 100% for several weeks for him to come back and perform the way he is and still have a good shot at this championship, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it sure is. And when you, you think about guys that have won the championship over the last couple of years, they you know, they, they don't get hurt. And they if they do get hurt, just like Carson, man, they have to you have to race through it if you're up there in that battle, right? If you're running eighth in points and you get hurt, hey, I'll take a week off, right? But you're third in points, you're trying to get your first ever World Valley's championship you're going to get back in the seat. And I heard him talking to, I can't remember who it was, but I watched an interview with him that was on YouTube, and he was saying that that weekend after Knoxville at Beaver Dam, he should not have been in the race car, but he was. You know, he told me that he felt like, I think it was at Wilmot, I asked him what his, you know, percentage of health he was back to being, you know, 100%. He said he was about 90 or so. He told me at Beaver Dam he was like 5%. Like, should not have been in the car. Uh, but he was still out there because he knows that if he wasn't, then he has no shot of winning this championship, you know. So um, it's it's quite quite mind-blowing that he is still this close in it with everything that's happened to him, you know. So uh, you got to respect it, I think. Do you, do you feel that the rib was the biggest problem for Carson Macedo? Yeah, that was kind of the main thing it sounded like was he had a couple ribs on the right side that were hurting pretty bad. And so when he'd go into the corner, you know, obviously his body's going to move into the seat a little bit, and it would kind of just push on that. And, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have had some bruised ribs or maybe a broken one, but I've had, like, bruised rib, and it's, like, hurts to breathe sometimes. You know, I can't imagine having to drive a race car, you know, the G-forces, you know, getting pushed over in the seat, and that's, you know, putting pressure on the ribs or whatever. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of the main, the main thing. Obviously the burns, uh, but I don't think that those were – really affecting his driving really as much as ribs and the, and the pain that that is from. I mean, the first night at Beaver Dam, I guess, after the race, it took him a while to get out of the car because that hurt so bad. Uh, Tanner Holmes jumping in the Shark Racing uh, 1A car, now called the 1T car. He looked really strong, I thought. 
I mean, I think he well, well, you know, exceeded expectations from what the team was wanting. I think if he would have ran 15th, like all three nights, they would have been happy with that, you know, for him to just come in, new chassis, new team, new motors, I mean, new everything, right? For him to come in and run third one night and 10th and then seventh, that is impressive. That is very impressive and shows you that, that that kid is, he's ready. He's ready for this type of competition at a track he'd never been to, mind you. He'd never even been there before. So I think, I mean, obviously it was a really good start, right? I mean, you can't get much better than what happened to him. But we'll see what he does this week and coming up. Two more tracks that he's never been to. But then after that, he heads home back to places he's very familiar with. So I thought it was the story of the weekend for him to be up there and, and do what he did. Didn't tear anything up. Didn't cause any issues. And the third place effort on, on Thursday, guys, was so impressive to me because I thought once Carson passed him for third, he's going to run 12. Like, he's going to get all messed up. He's going to get, you know, he's going to get in his own head. And But he passed him back. He passed Carson back clean and, and finished third. It was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. We just had Garrett Williamson on, and he wants to run with the World of Outlaws next year. What do you think his chances are if he gets a good ride? Well, I mean, I feel like he – is capable of it for sure. You know, he's ran the ASCS tour a little bit, so he knows the traveling side of things, obviously, but that's the thing is getting a ride. And there ain't many of those that are, yeah. you know, World of Outlaw capable rides that are available, you know? So um, I, I think that kid has all the talent in the world. I think he, the top five guys right now that are young that we could see on the World of Outlaws tour someday as future stars, obviously I think Garrett Williams is up there, Chase Randall's up there. Uh, obviously, Tanner Holmes, uh, Ryan Timms. I'm missing somebody else I had in my mind, but I forgot him. But um, Corey, yeah, those are kind of the main guys that I see someday will be outlaw stars. You know, Corey Day looks like he's got a lot of Corey talent. Corey Day, that was the other one. Yep, there yep, it is. Yep. No doubt. Yeah, a lot of great young talent up there. Well, Donnie Schatz uh, has got some good momentum going up to his home tracks this weekend. He had a good finish the other night. Yeah, he was uh, third in the finale at Jackson. He had a second place on Thursday as well. Yeah, good weekend for him. Um, and then we always know when we go to North Dakota, whether it's River Cities or, or Fargo, uh, he's going to be in the mix. And I don't know if you guys saw yesterday or maybe it was this morning that there it's actually the Danny Schatz Memorial on, on Saturday. So, oh, wow. Uh, that's for the 305 cars. But still, that's going to be really cool to – have uh, Danny, you know, his name as a memorial race with the Outlaws in town at, at Fargo, the track that, that that family used to own, uh, you know. So, and I'm sure that Donnie's nieces will be running Amelia and uh, and Layla will both be racing the 305 class. So, yeah, it should be uh, it should be a fun weekend in in, uh, in North Dakota. Did one of these girls win the other night? They did. I want to say it was Layla. I think she won. Uh, I don't remember what track. I think they were in South Dakota, maybe. Uh, on Saturday night, they ran they ran the two nights of Jackson with us, but then the finale was non-wing cars, and they went somewhere else on Saturday. But, yeah, I think Layla won. And so I told Donnie that uh, on the podium interview, and he was, like, he was shocked. It was kind of a pretty cool reaction to see him, how excited he was for that. Yeah. Chase, we can't thank you enough for taking the time each week to join us here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We can't thank you enough for doing so. We'll talk to you next week, all right? All right, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you next Monday. Thanks, right. Chase. Good job. There is Chase Rodman. He is one of the very best in the business. Yeah, great coverage up there as usual. 
on the World of Outlaws circuit. And uh, one other note, Austin Lloyd, the uh, announcer at Jackson, uh, they uh, announced that that was his last night of announcing races at Jackson Motorplex. He also does the pits with uh, Sean Neistat over at Houston Speedway. So going to miss Austin Lloyd announcing up there. He's pretty good talent. Yeah, great young announcer, as is Sean Neistat. So uh, you add those to Johnny and Is there, and Chase, is, is uh, there a chance that recovery. he might be going to uh, Knoxville? That would be a good. That I, would be a good that, hire, wouldn't it? Yeah, because Chris Krug, we know, is uh, stepping aside. So right. there's yeah. an opening there. That I thought that Blake Walker that they used in the pits this year is uh, is a good addition to their Knoxville team. Yep, no doubt. All right, we're going to take a break. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. It's mostly motorsports. We'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned. Listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum 
and our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together uh, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back to Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. They'll be racing down at CMS this weekend, so get down there and check them out. And uh, we're bringing in a, a good friend of the racing boys, Trenton Perry. Trenton, how you doing, bud? Hey, I'm uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Glad to be with you guys. Today. How, how was the heat this weekend? Oh boy! All right, so this was the only four day race as far as the USMTS is concerned on our schedule this year. And we were at the same place for Mason City. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday were really good. Uh, I wore, wore hoodies to finish out the night on Wednesday. Uh, I could have Thursday. Friday was a little warmer, uh, but, but still not bad. And Saturday was just unrelenting. <laughs> it was just Saturday was miserable. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. So uh, Tanner Mullins ends up picking up the $25,000. Let's just have you take us through that race. That was uh, 70, yeah. 78 laps, right? Yeah, se several yellows, um, as you expect. Had a few different things, um, really. I mean, had, had several tire issues uh, for different different reasons. Some some shredded. Uh, one of them got knocked off the bead. Um, a couple of them separated. I, I don't Just a few different random tire things. and. Um, it's the longest race on the schedule for the entire season, so you knew there'd be some attrition. Uh, Tanner started on the middle of the front row, so they, they qualified in each of the three qualifying nights. They did a uh, inside, middle, out, and so they started three wide, 33 cars, 11 rows uh, back. So he he rolled from the middle, and Derek Ramirez led early. He was pole setter. He blew up, uh, brought out an early yellow, and Jim Chisholm got to the lead. 
Uh, Rodney Sanders on an early restart went fifth to second at one point. Uh, lap 48, I believe it was, 48 or 49, I think it was lap 48. Uh, Chisholm entered high in three and four and uh, just kind of, it didn't, didn't really build a, a ledge or a cushion. It just kind of had some crumbles kind of just up out of the groove and upset the race car, messed up the, the nose, um, pushed the nose up on this race car. Brought out a, or, uh, uh, I don't remember if that one brought out, yeah, it would have brought out a yellow flag. He would have brought out a yellow flag, but Tanner Mullins took the lead. Uh, Chisholm pitted. They worked on the nose. He got back out there. Uh, Mullins was running second. Once he got the lead, he never, never gave it up the rest of the way. He ran a perfect race. He, uh, a lot of the guys had to pit for various reasons throughout the course of that thing. And, uh, Mullins was one of the ones that managed to make it the whole way. His tire made it and, um, didn't look any worse for the wear at the end of the 78 laps. So that's pretty much a, nickel tour of how how the race played out there obviously there were a few more you know finer points of the thing but just you know general summary of it that was pretty well the high points of how it played out trenton i can't imagine a more exciting starting of a race starting three abreast and it really worked the yeah. first part of that they they got through that all but man that was pretty wild on that high bank yeah, race it, track it really is I, I i see a couple of these a year and they're they're really pretty special uh, honestly, you know, they, they, the qualifying procedures are always different for how they, they figure out how to, to qualify the cars to do it. And, um, it's, it's certainly intense. Uh, this was, uh, as far as points go, you know, this thing had a little bit of a different format to it. So everybody got a hundred points that showed up. So this, there weren't going to be any shakeups in the point standings based on how this all played out. Um, I had a good, had a good turnout too. I think there were 71 cars, I believe was the, the final total on the uh, modified side, which was just awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, I really like those. I like those three wides. And, you know, you can't do those at every racetrack, but uh, a place like Mason City was, was perfect to be able to pull that off, and, and it was uh, it was neat. Do you think Rodney Sanders is the odds-on favorite to win the championship this year? Or do you think uh, Jason Hughes or Jim Christian has a shot at him? Yeah, I um, I mean, I think Rodney's probably has to be the favorite. It, there's so, I don't know. We we don't we don't have just a ton of races left now. You know, we've kind of we've been whittling them down week after week here. Uh, I think there's probably going to be a couple added here to the end of the uh, end of the schedule and aren't aren't out yet. I don't know for sure, but I just kind of kind of feel that probably and. Um, so yeah, we, we don't have a ton of races left. I think Rodney's probably. I mean, he's he's probably right there. But here's what's different, though. So Rodney's won four of these championships, and there have been some of those years that he has been the dominant car. And you just knew by like the middle of June, at least by the first of July, that there is nobody catching this guy. And I just can't. I just can't say that about anybody that's returned the field. You know. If, one of those guys up front catches a hot streak and can can reel off some wins. Uh, you know, it, it it could happen a different way, but uh, Ronnie's just been so consistent. Yeah, you know, he's just, he's just, he's just there night after night. Yeah, he's got a thirty-one point lead over Jason Hughes. Um, how many points can a guy make up in one night? Do you know that? So yeah, and I'll so I don't know a specific. So some some tours are minimal point tours and some are a lot of point tours so the usmts offers a lot of points and there there's a staggered breakdown 
Um, I, I should have it. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't have it right off the top of my head. Um, but but USMTS accrues. They, they accrue a lot of points. So uh, thirty one's not not safe at all. They're gonna have to. They're gonna still still battle this thing out. Hey Trenton, I want to get back to that that seventy five lap race on Saturday night. There was a, a big, and I think you touched on a little bit earlier <laughs> when Jim Chisholm. Tanner Mullins tried to split Derek Ramirez. Those cars were going three wide. That was a pretty yeah. wild scene right there that uh, was a big moment in the race. Man, it really was. And, and I didn't get this confirmed from Derek, but I, I mean, I think it was terminal engine failure for Ramirez. And I, I think that was about right right where it started. You know, at least he, he was, was down on power a little bit. Um, sure, sure looked like it to me. Uh, no, knowing how it played out for Ramirez, because he was he was fast early. So you think fast. he was having an engine problem right at that? I moment? do. Yeah, I do because because he he was off just right after it. And um, you know when you go blow up like that, if you're you're hanging on there, you can you can make a lap or two. <laughs> you know it's, it seems like so. Yes, I think I think that's probably what what played into that right there. Hey, hey Trenton, I, I really I I really think it was Jim Chisholm's race to be honest. And um, just one little bobble at the top of three was was all that it took. Hey Trenton, are you sweating right now? No, I'm I'm uh, sitting in my basement uh, looking out my backyard right now. I'm I'm we, great. I've, I've I've went to the I've went to the lower level. We're watching. <laughs> staying cool right now. That's we're, for yeah. sure. We're hey. watching you in the yeah. pits. We're watching you in the pits on one of the videos, and and uh, you were sweating your ass. You off. could tell you had to pull <laughs> you pull your shirt up here, right about here, and said, "This is enough of this." <laughs> it, oh, 100%. It, it, we're we're watching you run around. Hey, hey, listen. Yeah, there he goes. Hey, there you are. <laughs> he You're said, damn, it's hey. hot. Your belly looks like it's getting a little bigger. You took your shirt and you wiped your face there that one time, oh, yeah. right as you went to. Oh yeah. So, so a couple things there. Always going to wear some kind of dry fit, uh, wicking type shirt. Uh, <laughs> but then, but then I've always got one right underneath it, right there, so I can I can use that thing to wipe wipe the forehead when I need to. And on a night like uh, Saturday. That's that is re- that is required. Uh, that is required attire for for that job on a on a night as hot as that was. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. I sweat all the way through my hat, and it, it never it never uh, came back until after after the rest. So I was I was I was a disgusting pig. I'm not. And the night before, the two like nights before, you had a hoodie on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. So, uh, huge huge temperature swings. Oh, Wednesday! Wednesday night was so beautiful. Thursday night was gorgeous, and uh, it was about seven o'clock Thursday night. We were—I uh, was—I was down in the infield, and I, I pulled up the Weather Channel app. And I thought, you know, I was going to see how the rest of this. this has been great. I'm going to look at the rest of the weekend. <laughs> so I'll—I'll I'll be. I saw Saturday, and it's at a high ninety-five, and I thought, oh my gosh, I, you know, and you're so Mason City. You're way north too. You know, you're. Less than an hour from the state line, yeah, of Minnesota. I mean, we're we're, we're quite a ways up there um, to to still still be. I mean, to be mid nineties, but 
you know, it's crazy. It's, it's hot everywhere. It's, it's going to be miserable this entire week, at least in the central part of the country. So It's 130. Just, it, just in, is what it is. It's 130 heat index right now as we speak in Lawrence, Kansas. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's, that's too hot. Hey, uh, not only did Tanner Mullins walk out of there with 25000 but also a grand total of $33,000 with all the extra add-ons to that, so $33,000 payday. Is that right? Yeah, it was. And um, he, one of the big bonuses, he ran four rear wheels on all four corners, so he got 2500 bucks from them. And um, There was a lot of lap money, so they, so they raised $78,000. So each each lap had a $1,000 sponsor on it, and part of that went to the driver and part of it went to a drawing amongst the seventy eight. Uh, laps that were sponsored and um so there was a each night after the qualifying features they drew five uh drew five random balls there was balls one through 78 in a crown roll bag and so the race winner drew five each night so we had 15 and then on saturday night right at the driver introductions uh tanner was in the middle of the front row so as they were finishing those todd had tanner reach in the crown roll bag draw a number of the 15 that were left and Tanner stuck that in his pocket. Neither he or Todd looked at it, and Tanner stuck it in his pocket of his fire suit. He ran the race. Now, obviously, he didn't know he was going to win, but Tanner was, was his instructions were to pull to victory lane no matter what happened, and he was going to pull the pull the winning number out of his pocket of his fire suit because they, they had just drawn for it. But there were also five more numbers that we were going to draw for 2,500 with the race winner. Um, so... So the, the number was actually was 54 was the lap number. Now the real crux of this is Racing Dirt sponsored lap 55, but Carlos Amada got $25,000. Now this is the, the driver 65X is Carlos Amada Jr. This was his dad uh, that was in this, and so they they won $25,000 in the in the lap money drawing, and then the rest of that lap money got distributed amongst the, the front running race cars. So. It was a really cool deal. And there were five other people left with twenty five hundred apiece too. So, and Armada finished the eleventh in the A main, and you say he walked out of there with twenty five grand. Yeah, well, his dad. So yeah, I'm sure. Oh, his dad. I, I don't know this, but I, I assume that money probably goes to the racing program. But I don't I don't know. Yeah. So it was a thousand dollars per lap, and so he he won twenty five thousand there too. We hey, we also we had a couple other cool things there. We auctioned the victory lane banner off. And uh, James Trantina, who owns Dan Ebert's race car, I had him on the phone, and they did this as a live auction. He wasn't going to be able to be there, and he called me the night before, and he goes, hey, he said, I'm I'm interested in that, that banner. He said, what's what's the process for this? And I said, well, they're going to auction it off, and they, they were going to silent auction it, but they decided to do a live auction with it because they you know, we had such a great response at, at Ed Gressel's memorial for his. You know, his banner brought $10,000 that night. And, um so we just thought it would be a pretty pretty popular item and you know something neat to do while they were prepping the track for the final time. So we had this auction right while they were turning the track. So I told James earlier in the day the time they, that the officials decided they wanted to uh, put that auction in the program. And I said, I'm going to call you. I called him and I got him on the phone. And there, uh, it's hot out of phone bidder too. I'm not sure who this was. And, and then Jake O'Neill's dad, they call him Biggins. And... Uh, he, uh, we, we had we had ourselves a spirited three way battle. That that victory lane banner was a custom for that race. Brought thirteen thousand four hundred. Wow, thirteen thousand dollars. Yep. Man, for, for 
for Make-A-Wish uh, of Iowa there, which was, um, it was a race. The Friday and Saturday portion of that uh, were, were fundraisers for Make-A-Wish Iowa um, by a gentleman named John First that's a Mason City uh, businessman and, and his boy races uh, stock cars, Chance Hollins. And um, so that is something that John's worked on uh, the last couple of years. And so just had a, had a heck of an event, event-wise, anniversary-wise, but Man, they also raised a ton of money for charity. They raffled off barbecue grills on a four-wheeler and uh, all sorts of stuff, and door panels and custom-made uh, one-of-a-kind craft items and just all sorts of stuff. Foot- football tickets. Uh, Kirk, they, they, they sold some Iowa State football tickets. I thought about you for a minute. Right. Great. Hey, I <laughs> hey, love that. Mark, was neat. Mark says um, here on the chat room, he said Saturday night's USMTS race was, I think, the most exciting USMTS, USMTS race of the year. Great night of racing. What yeah. do you think? You think it was the best race of the year? Um, I don't, I'm not going to tell you that. I think it was probably the, the single best A main. Here, here's what it had. It had attrition and it had endurance, and and you don't have that. There's a big difference between 50 and 78 laps. You know, even even running 50, you don't see near the, the pit stops and the strategy. That man, that last 28 laps was was a lot to to factor in. And you know, we had a fuel stop in the middle there. Uh, several of those mods still run on alcohol, so they weren't going to be able to make it. And obviously, you got to figure out a way to to have them come support the event. So uh, it had had to be that stop there. Um, I think it, I think it was probably, I don't think it was pound for pound the, the best race that we've had this year, but it, it, as far as excitement and just not really being sure of, of how you thought it was going to play out at any time, I think it was probably the most in, intriguing. How, how's that? That, that, that seems fair. But I think that's probably the word I was looking fair. for was drama. It had, it had drama yeah, in the race. It did. It had, yeah. it had a ton of it. And, so much of it was on the fact that the race was longer, and they just had to do something that wasn't normal. And uh, one other note, uh, Jake O'Neill, he was one of the guys who uh, spent time in the work area. How in the world uh-huh. did he come back and finish third? Man. So I think a big thing was he took two two rear tires once he was in there at one point, um, and, and both those tires were still looked to be up when, when he was in the work area. Uh, that, that was... That's pretty big, and he's just a—he's just an unreal talent. He just—he just has tons and tons of ability, and he pours himself into his race car. And all the things you'd expect out of a, a top top tier driver, and and he just got on the wheel and and got back up there. So um, there were several guys pitted for tires and had good runs. Uh, there was at one point, you know, Jake Tim pitted early. His was the one that got knocked off the the bead, and it kind of kind of marred the tire right around where the where the rubber would would beat at the wheel, and that was that was what knocked his off. And, and he he got back and raced back through the field and got up there a long ways too before he had to retire early. Hey, I so, want to put a call out to Chad Wheeler. He raced at Lucas Hole Speedway. What was that Thursday yeah. night? And made the long drive yep. up to Mason City. Starts twenty sixth and ends up in sixth place on Saturday night. It was, it was crazy. So he, he came in on Friday, and he, he had talked to Todd prior to the week, and he said, hey, they, I'm invited to this deal at Wheatland. He said, I gave him my word. I don't want to go back on it, but I, I want to come run this race too. We're, 
we're rolling pretty good right now. And Chad had called me and was telling me this. And, and uh, Todd said, okay. He said, well, pay your pay your entry fee for your qualifying night, pay your entry fee for your mulligan night. And he said, come, come race Friday. And so Chad didn't use Friday as his mulligan night. He just used it. It, it became his qualifying night. He got himself in, and, and he's been running so good. He's, I think he's won five races. Um, and and I, I think I maybe I told you guys, but uh, he he beat Wolf and Hughes and Phillips uh, in an arms race at Arrowhead uh, back in June, and was just out of this world good, and, and has 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 continued to remain really fast. And I think I think this one though Saturday, seventy eight laps, a track he'd never been to, rolling in late to qualify, getting yourself in, staying out of trouble, finishing the race. He never had to pit either. I, I think even though he's won all these other races, I think this sixth place might might be the most impressive run he's had of the year, considering what he was up against. Yeah, that was very impressive. You know, and that's not a, that's uh, a long trip up where he had to come so, from. Yeah, and he's not a full time car on the tour. Now he's he's a full time fan, and he's full time into the USMTS. There's there's not a thing that gets past him. He just he's just not able to to make every single race, but. He told me Friday afternoon, I had him on my, my little pre-race deal I do on Facebook on, on race days, uh, said he's never never felt faster in his life than, than he does right now. He's running a car. A car he's racing is the one Kay Dillard won the uh, fall nationals with last year out, out in Lotto in New Mexico. So Cade won 20 grand with it, and Wheeler's got it now. It's it's going back to Cade. Cade still owns the race car. Chad's just been driving it this year. Uh, he's he's on the list here. Um for a, a new Dillard race car at some point, so I think the plan is for that one to go back whenever whenever they uh, they get his new one done. But kind of like Wheeler said, he said I'm not really in too much of a hurry to go pick up my new race car. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, it, 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 it doesn't seem like it would take much to go over to the wall down there in one and two. Hundred percent. Would wouldn't take much at all. That 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 dirt berm builds quite a bit. Uh, quite a ways up those up that K rail. We we did have one gnarly accident, and it was going entering three. Um, gentleman by the name of Ron Verbeek, he's a, a one-time USMTS series winner. Um, had a had a pretty nasty tumble on, uh, I believe it was yeah, it's Friday night, and uh, one of his races out there. And I was glad to see him. He was dinged up a little bit. But glad to see him walk away from it. And he was back out there running one of the last chance races on. Saturday night. So, um, short of that, we didn't have just a whole lot. That was that would have been for sure the worst incident of the weekend. We had a few pile them ups here and there, but uh, you know, as far as something that could have been kind of truly scary, that was yeah. the only one. And he walked out of that, and we were able to talk to him before he walked back to the pit area. So that was a that was a great thing. Well, we're looking forward to getting back at the Lakeside Speedway on Friday night. Uh, Race Nerd will be there. The coverage of the ASCS yeah. National Tour. Friday night, Lakeside Speedway. I think I think I want to go to that race Friday night. I, I believe I'm not I'm not going to be able to go to Saturday to Salina. Um, I'm I'm helping I'm helping my man Art Haynes. I told you guys I was going to probably help him a little bit um, with some of his his chief's duties, just kind of in a in a background role, just specifically for him. And uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go help him Saturday night. And I can't wait to spend the evening with him. Um, but I'm going to. Uh, I'm on, I think I think I think I, I'm not 100, percent but I think I'm probably going to go to Lakeside Friday night. I, 
and I, uh, I really want to go see that race in person. And uh, Scott, if there's one thing you did for me, and you did a lot, the love for Lakeside Speedway was born in me at a at a young age, and uh, it's it's never left. Man, uh, it, it it just uh, it just hasn't. I absolutely love. They had a great track out there been. last Friday night. Man, it was That's pretty. Awesome it, it was pretty good for the non-wing cars that were out there Friday night. Man, yep, it, it, it was a good show for sure. And I'm sure that yeah. you guys are going to put on a great show this weekend. Yeah, I hope so. I'm I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to being there and seeing some. You know, ASCS went really hard right there, uh, June into the through the middle of July, um, and then it kind of kind of chilled here for the last little bit. So excited to see that. Did you guys see too? Uh, you see where Terry announced that uh, ASCS is going back out to Arizona next winter? Yeah, I, I heard that. that. How about that? <laughs> we'll start off the season late January that's, next year. Hold on a second. That's pretty cool. L- let me let me just say this. That's yeah. that's not a good idea. Oh well. Why not? Okay. Uh, because uh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, no, uh, the reason I say that is it takes the teams a lot of money to run down to Yuma. Yeah, it's no different than trying to go to the Pacific Northwest or go to Pennsylvania. Uh, To me, I I, I just don't think it's a good idea if you want to know the truth, because I know for a fact that when we went down there, it always cost us money to go down there and do those events down in Yuma. Didn't it, Kirk? Well, you, you made the travel and we paid the bills. Yeah, it does. Right. No doubt. Well, yeah, that it, it, it's huh. an exciting way. I think, to me, it's a, it's an exciting way to create some buzz for the series, which I think is pretty important right now. By making a trip out there that early in the season, I think it brings some more attention. How, how many series. days is the show out there? How many is it a two day so show? Yeah, so there's two two days on back to back weekends. The last weekend in January and the first weekend in February. So they're they're going to go back to back weekends. Co- Cocoa Pond then Casa Grande. Oh, Casa Grande. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, you got you got two weekends so, so out four there. Races. Four days. You know what, Kirk? I might just have to go out there. Well, Arizona. now here you are talking about how bad of an idea it is, and yeah. I'm going to be hey, there. Hey, you what, say. Hey. Uh, which which side of our mouth are we talking out of here? <laughs> hey, both sides. Just so you know. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, what's what's is? Uh, did you guys ever stream a Casa Grande? I, we we don't know. I don't know anything about either racetrack. The, the one has a casino with it, right? Which is just going to be perfect. Coca Ball, you've been there many times. I, I we we've streamed out of Coca Ball many a times. So you're, yeah. you you'll have good streaming. Casa Grande? I don't think so. I I don't think we ever went to Casa Grande. I yeah. think. I see. Well, we're just going to learn all kinds of new things. It, I, I tell you this: as on the on the streaming side, I'm I'm just excited to be working at that time of the year. So, what's the, I, I hope it's a good deal. What's uh, the pro, I, what's the promoter out at Casa Grande? What's his name? Uh, yeah, Barry. Uh, Barry. Yeah. Barry. Boy, don't know. I think it's Barry. Yeah. Yeah. Not for sure. Yeah. So yeah, what's but, uh, what else is coming up for uh, you? You got limited number of events left on the USMTS tour now. Yeah. So what what uh, I see ahead the the Featherlight Fall Jamboree and some other big events still yet to come. 
crazy to think that we're to that point. So we'd always raced on Labor Day weekend before uh, this year. Todd had told me at the end of last year, he said, he said man, I really, I really think I want to take Labor Day weekend off. He said, I think I want to be able to spend that with my family and, and just do something different this year. Um, you know, Deer Creek picked up three days of Memorial weekend, which was new for them. And so you don't want to, you don't want to run your, your markets into the ground, you know, so they, they'd picked up more races earlier in the year than they ever had. And so that was always the Saturday night of Labor Day weekend. And Todd said, I think we're just going to do something different. And I think, so I think I'm just going to take that off. Hey, see how, see how it goes. And so I, we don't have anything until the Jamboree, which is su- super weird. Um, but we do have that. We got the Hockett McMillan race at, at Wheatland um, that, that we'll be doing there. Right. In the middle of September prior to that. And then we've got some, um, they got some huge USRA stock car stuff between Fountain City and Deer Creek and, and Mason City, uh, also in the middle of September before we get to the Jamboree. Hey, does Todd know that you're on each week promoting USMTS right here on, on Racing Boys? I don't know if Todd knows. Now, I've talked a lot of them in the pits that know. I don't know that I haven't specifically, uh, well, I specifically told that to, to Todd, but. Uh, you, you should you, you, you should let him know because I think he, he thinks I'm a hater. Oh, well, I'd say if this year proved anything, I'd say that prove prove that otherwise. Yeah, no doubt. You know, so hey, hey, anyway, hey what what do you I, think about the Chiefs this weekend? So I didn't I didn't see. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't see a single snap of it because we were working. I saw I saw that they won the game, but I didn't. I, I saw that Bouchelle was the second-string quarterback, and I guess he went 10-10. to 10. Is that right? Was he yeah. incredible again? Let me tell you something. I, I'm looking for some highlights. I, I'm going to be looking for some highlights. Guys, I I just got home at 445 this morning. Quarterback. My, my, my wife and my little boy uh, came up Friday and Saturday, and so we stopped off at the Iowa State Fair yesterday on our way home. Oh, man. We weren't going to make the Missouri State Fair before it was done. Right. So we decided to take the one in in Des Moines. So we had a, I had a big drive late last night to get us home. So anyway, I haven't caught up on any football yet, but that was on my list of things to get done here before I go to bed this evening. I, I think Bochelle is better than Gabbert. What do you think? I thought he was. I thought he was already. Yeah. I already thought he was. So I, they're going to be in a really interesting situation because they're not going to dress three quarterbacks. And Man. at that point in his career, does Blaine Gabbert go to the practice squad? Yeah. That is that is the million dollar question. Yeah. Or I, early on in the year, do they do they play Bouchelle? Like, does he get the majority of the snaps this next week? And do they maybe let him put him on ice there for the first couple three weeks of the season before the trade deadline? You know, there's going to be a quarterback get hurt. Can did do the Chiefs get a haul for? Uh, for a team that might be in contention or feels like they are, but but they're down, they get down a quarterback. Well, I feel know? more comfortable. I, with, I, I can see that too. Well, I feel way more comfortable with Michelle coming in if something should happen to Mahomes. He than, looked really good the other night. And with Rice, here's what here's what's crazy. We we know we know Blaine Gabbert. You know what he is. You know what you're going to get. He is going to be extremely average. He is going to be the absolute lowest end of Alex Smith that exists and not be able to run as well. Yeah. That, 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 that's all you're going to get from him. Yeah, no doubt. This 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 Bouchelle's kind of like catching lightning in a bottle a little bit, I feel like. I agree. No, I, I'm with you for sure. I'm very happy that the Chiefs and the Lions are on Thursday night 
of opening weekend instead of on Sunday because of the, all of the events at Kansas City. You're happy about that, yeah, right, Absolutely. Tom? Yeah. Usually, and, and Scott is happy about I'm that, pumped. too. Yeah. It's going to be fun, finally, yeah. have a Thursday night game opening the season instead of that 3 o'clock afternoon after. I hate those 3 o'clock games. And, oh, I do, too, man. And so, yeah. Worse I'm, than I'm, ever. you got to sit around all day to watch them play. <laughs> it's yeah, just it's, so it's hard just, to wait. Right. just painful to wait. And, yeah. and we get on. that game out of the way, we can draw a bigger crowd at the Absolutely. Kansas Speedway, and we'd be done with it. Yeah, that's great. That, that's great. That's great for Kansas City too. You know, I to, agree. to make that work that way um, as well. I've, those Sunday, those Sundays where the Chiefs are home in the Kansas Speedway race, and I just kind of think to myself, man, it's. There's a lot of people that like to do both. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. So. All right, Trenton. Well, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us here on Mostly Motorsports. Again, it's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Thanks so much for doing so, man. And uh, we'll talk yeah. to you next week. All right? Appreciate it, guys. Have a great week, and thanks for the time as always. Thanks, right. Trenton. Good job. Yep. Yep. There you have it, Trenton Barry. Worst race of the weekend. That's why we kept it to the very last. <laughs> exactly. It was terrible. Was the rubber down, locked down, topless 100 at Batesville Motor Speedway. Just it was awful. a freight train. Ricky Thornton Jr. won it, right? No. Dale McDowell won it. Mac Daddy. Yeah, it was bad. I fell asleep twice. Jonathan Davenport ends up <laughs> in second him. place. Ricky Thornton Jr. was third. Devin Moran fourth. And Tim McCready fifth. That NASCAR race... Couldn't have been any bo- more boring than that. Was that? That's another reason why we saved that one to last, right? That the uh, cup so, race at Watkins Glen. Uh, I was, was expecting a lot better about. race after watching the race the day before because there was some pretty good excitement. But I chalked that up to inexperience in the Xfinity race, and guys just kind of throwing caution to the wind because there was some crashing and burning. But yeah, uh, the Xfinity finish with when uh, Sam Mayer took yeah. out Ty Gibbs that. That made for some it sure pretty did. exciting But, moments. yeah, the, the NASCAR race, I, I can say I laid down to watch it, and I fell asleep. I woke up, and I fell asleep again. I, we, William I, woke, Byron, up, I woke up with 15 laps to go. That's, that's William what, Byron was, was more so excited good. than anybody else. That was yeah. his fifth win of the year. Well, absolutely, like you said. And Chase Elliott, that was his one, and he's got one opportunity, but I think that was his best opportunity. I think he's done. So I think I think he's, he's toast. Jason Fager, he wins that Mars race up at Highland Speedway. Yep. Chad Simpson wins the race at West Liberty, Iowa. Tony Jackson wins the Mars race at Granite City, Illinois. A lot of winners. Congratulations to all those guys yep, this weekend. No doubt. So. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here. We can't thank you enough for tuning in to Mostly Motorsports. We, we hope that you'll tune in next week right here on RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. For Todd Surprise, who has done a fantastic job today, always does a great job. For my partner, Kirk Elliott, I'm Scott Trailer saying thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week right here on Mostly Motorsports.
stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years.